The Bunyip, an Australian Aboriginal monster. Warning, this episode contains depictions of animal harm. The water is calm here, and you can see the stars twinkling reflection as they dance on the water. Hearing a sudden splash followed by the sounds of dripping water, you search the water's edge for the source of the disruption to your peaceful walk. Goosebumps cover your body as a chill sweeps over you, but one born of dread, not of cold. The splashing sound resumes, and you realize someone, or something, is emerging from the water. You watch, petrified, yet mesmerized, as you realize that it is coming right towards you, and it is not human. Its eyes sparkle like tiny orange flames. Its skin ripples as it stretches its neck and opens its mouth, revealing several rows of large, jagged teeth. Never breaking its gaze, a loud sound like a screaming foghorn arises from the creature's open mouth. As terror overcomes you, you try to run, but you can't run as fast as it can swim, and it tackles you, rolling your body to the ground. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Bunyip. An Australian Aboriginal legend. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. Shibby wanted adventure. After six years of college, he was due for some fun. Hadn't he earned it? After all, College can be grueling and also fun, but there was no freedom. Not like the freedom that you find on your first adult adventure. So after tons of research on fantastical foreign places, he found an ad online with a place called Green Love Travel. The ad said, This is your chance to dive into Australia and truly live like a local. Spend up to a year working and traveling throughout Australia, while experiencing lively cities, incredible wildlife, adventure sports, and engaging with new friends from all over the world. Wow, Shibby thought. He could travel and make money for a whole year. Or, he could work in an exotic location for six months and save his money to travel for the rest of the year. Australia was exciting and mysterious, but just how exciting and mysterious was going to be a big surprise. Shibby found out the hard way 
that he should have done more research because he had glamorized the idea of this adventure and was clueless about what he was really getting into. But, being a newly free college graduate, he was heady with the sense of his new independent self. He landed in Sydney International Airport with a mixture of excitement and nervousness, but ready to begin his 12-month adventure down under. Nonetheless, he was ready to make the most out of his young adult life in another country, thousands of miles from home and from his comfort zone. When he arrived at the airport, carrying only his backpack, he was met by a greeter holding a sign that said Destination Greenlove, who directed him to a transfer bus. There were only about half a dozen others on the bus, all young adults close to his age. After a couple of hours' ride on the bus, he finally arrived at the training farm. It looked like a ranch, but it had two sets of bunkers that held two dozen sleeping quarters in each. Here he would learn the skills needed to work on farms and cattle stations, and after a week he would be placed in his first job. That would last three to six months. The training was not too rigorous, and he learned a lot in just a week. It was extremely hot, but he had been prepared for that. What he was not prepared for was the number of dangers that the land had to offer up. He was told that he would learn the basics of being a ranch hand in training, but the true learning would be done when he started work. The last night of training, they built a fire, and everyone gathered around to discuss what was next in the process. It felt a little like the end of summer camp bonfire party. At the end, the trainers said that there were things that most people don't know about living and working in the outback. First, never sleep under large gum trees, because their branches can just suddenly fall off and land on your head. Always keep an eye on the weather, because scorching days can turn into frosty nights. After a long list of things to be aware of, the trainer moved on to wildlife. He said to be aware of drop bears. They are literally meat-eating koalas that wait for their prey in treetops and then drop down on top of them. Shibby was fairly sure that this warning was just to scare them and mostly told for fun. Always check your shoes in the morning because any number of creatures may have decided to take up residence there while you slept. Australia has an amazingly long list of deadly spiders and snakes. There was one story that Shibby would come back to later. It was the legend of the bunyip. The bunyip hides beneath the murky bodies of water, waiting for unsuspecting women, children, cattle, or foreigners to devour. After enough scary topics to disrupt some of the trainees' peaceful sleep, they called it a night. The next day was a day for packing and preparing to be sent off to his new farm or ranch home. They had one last lunch together, and at precisely 3 p.m. they were all packed and awaiting their assignments. The trainer called each one by name, and they stepped over to retrieve a piece of paper that had all the details of their first job. Location, work expected, and pay. And after a few moments to look over the details, they were directed back onto the bus that they arrived in. By tomorrow morning, each trainee would be starting their new jobs with an Australian family. Life in the outback, at least temporarily, would begin.
Shibby landed a job with a ranching family by the name of Johnston. They were a fairly young couple in their mid-thirties with three young daughters. Their ranch had been in the family for years and was a little over 1,500 acres. He quickly became a good hand with his eagerness to be involved and his ability to adapt that he had developed while away at college. This made him a favorite for the Johnstons, who had six ranch hands altogether. Week two, things started to get a little worrisome, though. Shibby was out riding with Mr. Johnston when they came upon one of the ranch's many watering holes. The rangelands of Western Australia are a tough, unforgiving place. Signs of weakness result in death. Drought means being hungry, often resulting in dying animals, and booms never last for long. The same can be said of the people choosing to live in the southern rangelands. When you farm millions of hectares, getting around means long distances. Fencing goes on forever. No power from the grid. Town is often a hundred kilometers or more away. Your internet is slow, and it's extremely hot. Water to survive comes from the few rains or your windmill, and has to go a long way, too. There are many thirsty animals out there. The wild animals and the domestic animals naturally share the same sources of water. You could tell that this small body of water was a busy place. It looked like a giant mud hole. It had so many different sets of tracks literally all around it that you couldn't keep count. The smell was strong from animal droppings and wet animals standing around in the heat. But today was different. There was an overwhelming smell of death and decay in the air. They decided to follow the smell, which was not hard to do. But when they reached the west side of the billabong, the horses started to become uneasy. Shibby's horse jumped, sending him right off of his saddle, landing him face down in a putrid mass of fur and flesh. This was not something that training had prepared him for, so this must be one of those things you learn from experience. Mr. Johnson quickly dismounted and helped him to his feet, but before Shibby could get his bearings, he was emptying the contents of his stomach onto the ground. He was now wishing that he hadn't gotten seconds at lunch. He stumbled over to his horse, refusing to look any weaker than he already did, and grabbed his canteen and used some of the water to douse on his face. Slowly, he started to regain control of his stomach and returned to Mr. Johnston's side. After inspecting the carcass, Mr. Johnston seemed worried. He said it was a Mickey. Seeing the confused look on Shibby's face, he explained that a Mickey is a young, wild, unmarked bull. What had him worried, though, was the fact that all the bones were crushed, and the internal organs were completely missing. They had to find out what did this before they lose any more cattle. They made the 30-minute ride back to the ranch to pack up some camping gear so they could be prepared to face a long Australian night out in the bush. They didn't have to ride too hard to make it back to the watering hole before nightfall. It was going to be a long night, so Mr. Johnston took the first watch while Shibby got some sleep. It felt like he had barely fallen asleep when Mr. Johnston woke him to take his turn at the watch. Now, Shibby isn't scared of the dark, but what did scare him was that while he sat there, the only sound he could hear was his boss snoring. He didn't hear crickets or any other sound of nightlife. If the silence wasn't bad enough, add to it the fact that he felt like he was being watched. 
He shifted his body to relieve a cramp in his backside from sitting on the cold rock. He was about to grab his bedroll to sit on, but as he did, he thought he heard a splash in the water. Shibby froze, and the hair on the back of his neck stood as he watched ripples start to form on the surface of the water. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As if Australia doesn't have enough things trying to kill you, from extreme weather to spiders as big as your head, people must let their collective fertile imaginations roam about, creating havoc and fresh reasons to be terrified of the dark. The bunyip is an old myth that people refresh constantly with their new stories and is another reason to be afraid if you visit Australia. The bunyip is a creature from the Australian Aboriginal mythology said to lurk in swamps, billabongs, creeks, riverbeds, lagoons, and waterholes. It is an aquatic animal with smooth skin and apricot eyes. The bunyip is said to gobble up women and children and livestock if they get too close to the water. It mainly preys upon women and children under the dark of night. No one knows exactly what the bunyip looks like, but they know to stay away. Witnesses have trouble describing the appearance of the bunyip. The most popular description is that it looks like an enormous starfish. However, some people claim it looks like a snake with a beard. Others argue it has a dog-like face, a crocodile-like head, dark fur, a horse-like tail, flippers, walrus-like tusks, and a duck-like bill. Some say that the bunyip has long claws, but it prefers to kill by hugging its victims to death, similar to the way a boa constrictor kills its prey. The earliest sightings describe the bunyip as having countless eyes, a fast speed, and a hollow boom that is used to communicate that some say 
is similar to a riverboat's horn. Other witnesses claim it has one large eye on its head and a mouth on its stomach. Thought Catalog tries to explain the bunyip by revealing facts you may need to know. The most frequent reports of bunyip sightings came from the southeastern colonies of Victoria, New South Wales, and South Australia in the 1840s and 1850s. Aborigines have differing opinions on the bunyip. Some believe it is a bloodthirsty murderer, but others have called the bunyip a punisher sent to earth to bring justice to anyone who commits evil acts and to protect the wildlife. The bunyip is believed to have supernatural powers. It can alter the water level, cripple victims with its roar, and hypnotize humans to act as its slave. In 1851, a newspaper called the Australasian published a report about a bunyip being speared after killing an aboriginal man. The creature was 11 paces long and 4 paces in width. Aboriginal people used to visit the site of the creature every year and outline its form, but those outlines have been lost over time. Legend says that a man named Bunyip once broke the Rainbow Serpent's greatest law by eating his totem animal. After that, he was banished and turned into an evil spirit that lured tribesmen and their animals into the water to eat them. The Rainbow Serpent, or Rainbow Snake, is an immortal being and is a creator or god in Aboriginal mythology. He is a creator of human beings. He has life-giving powers that send fertility spirits to all the watercourses and is in control of producing rainfall. The Rainbow Serpent is the protector of the land, the people, and the source of all life. However, the Rainbow Serpent can also be a destructive force if it is not properly respected. The word bunyip comes from the Wargaya language of Aboriginal people of southeastern Australia. It translates to devil or evil spirit. In the 1850s, the word was also used as a synonym for imposter or pretender. In 1853, it was used to describe Australians aspiring to be aristocrats. In the 1990s, it was used to describe members of the conservative Liberal Party of Australia opposition. The bunyip has also been called Kienprati and Wowie. Over the years, fossils have been uncovered that could be associated with the bunyip. There were remains of an unknown animal discovered in 1818 by Hamilton Hume and James Meehan in Lake Bathurst in New South Wales that resembled a manatee or a hippopotamus. In 1830, there were unidentified fossils found in the Wellington Caves and were much larger than the ox or a buffalo. In July of 1845, fossils were found near Geelong, and a newspaper article was written called Wonderful Discovery of a New Animal, which claimed the fossils were evidence of the bunyip. There have been various attempts to understand and explain the origins of the bunyip as a physical entity over the past 150 years. Writing in 1933, Charles Finner suggested that it was likely that the actual origin of the bunyip myth lies in the fact that from time to time, seals have made their way up to the Murray and Darling rivers. He provided examples of seals found as far inland as Overland Corner, Loxton, and Canargo and reminded readers that the smooth fur, prominent apricot eyes, and the bellowing cry are characteristics of the seal. 
especially southern elephant seals and leopard seals. Another suggestion is that the bunyip may be a cultural memory of extinct Australian marsupials such as the Dipratodon, Zygomatarus, Nototherium, or Pelocrestis. This connection was first formally made by Dr. George Bennett of the Australian Museum in 1871. In the early 1990s, paleontologist Pat Vickers-Rich and geologist Neil Archbold also cautiously suggested that Aboriginal legends, perhaps, had stemmed from an acquaintance with prehistoric bones or even living prehistoric animals themselves. When confronted with the remains of some of those now extinct Australian marsupials, Aborigines would often identify them as the bunyip. In a 2017 Australian BirdLife article, Carl Brandt suggested Aboriginal encounters with the southern cassowary inspired the myth. According to the first written description of the bunyip from 1845, the creature, which had laid pale blue eggs of immense size, possessed deadly claws, powerful hind legs, a brightly colored chest, and an emu-like head, characteristics shared with the Australian cassowary. As the creature's bill was described as having serrated projections, each like the bone of the stingray. This bunyip was associated with the indigenous people of far north Queensland, renowned for their spears tipped with stingray barbs and their proximity to the cassowary's Australian range. Another association to the bunyip is the shy Australasian bittern. During the breeding season, the male call of this marsh-dwelling bird is a low-pitched boom. Hence, it is occasionally called the bunyip bird. During the early settlement of Australia by Europeans, the notion became commonly held that the bunyip was an unknown animal that awaited discovery. Unfamiliar with the sights and sounds of the island continent's peculiar fauna, early Europeans believed that the bunyip, described to them, was one more strange Australian animal, and they sometimes attributed unfamiliar animal calls or cries to it. Scholars suggest also that 19th century bunyip lore was reinforced by imported European folklore, such as that as the Irish puka. A large number of bunyip sightings occurred during the 1840s and 1850s, particularly in the southeastern colonies of Victoria, New South Wales, and South Australia. As European settlers extended their reach, the following is not an exhaustive list of accounts. In January of 1846, a skull was found in the Murrumbidgee River near Balranald. It was placed in the Australian Museum in Sydney and labeled as a bunyip skull, but it was later proven to be the skull of a disfigured calf. The first written description of the bunyip came in 1845. It claimed that the creature laid massive pale blue eggs and had deadly claws, powerful hind legs, a brightly colored chest, and an emu-like head. This is why some people believe the bunyip was only a southern cassowary or an Australian bittern. Some researchers believe the bunyip is a prehistoric marsupial, the Diprotodon australis, which was supposed to go extinct 46,000 years ago. On August 18, 2018, a user submitted an alleged sighting of the bunyip in pinebarreninstitute.com. 
The incident took place at Colindale National Park at the Shoalhaven River area, which is about a three-hour drive south of Sydney, Australia. He states that a couple of years prior to the submission, he went on an adventure camping trip with his girlfriend. They were camping along the river during a long weekend with a two-person kayak. It was the second morning of the trip, just before dusk, and they were camping near the main river. About a 15-minute walk inland from their campsite was a billabong, which is similar to a pond, but much more overgrown with a pretty deep and quick-moving stream feeding into it. He had slipped away to relieve himself and was finishing up when he heard a thick splash in the water. He used his iPhone torch to investigate and claims to have seen a half-horse, half-crocodile head in the water. It had two horse-sized eyes on top of its head, which were looking right at him. He stated that in that area of Australia, there is no way there could be a crocodile in this area. For a minute or two, he was in a state of awe and fear, just staring at this thing. He could see whatever the thing was slowly floating in his general direction. The creature had a relatively strong, thick tail floating on top of the water, about a meter behind where its head was, but it did not look reptilian. He decided abruptly to turn and run back to where their tent was as fast as possible. He told his girlfriend to pack up everything and jump into the canoe and continue downriver. After that, he never saw the creature again. Today, the bunyip is largely regarded as no more than a charming bit of folklore. It is usually portrayed as a gentle giant and has even starred in children's books and television series. Interestingly, the monster's name has also picked up some political connotation. It can be used as a derogatory term to belittle political movements that are made up of imposters or humbug. During the 1850s, it was used to mock the Bunyip aristocracy, a group of European settlers who aspired to create a new class in Australian society. In the 1930s, the word was used again as an attack on the Liberal Party of Australia. In 2013, ABC.net News reported on a small Queensland township that insists that they have the waterhole where the Bunyip resides. The article states that Bunyip Hole at Mulgildi in the Upper North Burnett is unsettling. It's described as a still pool blanketed with green slime, silent except for the occasional buzz of birds and flies. Known to bubble and gurgle, some Aboriginal elders believe the hole is connected to a network of underground waterways. Local resident Joan Farrell is the president of the local Bunyip committee and was quoted as saying that the Bunyip has a strong presence in the community. Farrell states, I came here in 1975, and I kept hearing about the Bunyip at the Bunyip Hole, she said. Now you don't go out there, especially at dark, and don't swim in it, because you can get dragged down, never to be seen again. She stated it was always her aim to see the Bunyip Hole become an attraction. It was our 80th year in CWA, and money became available, so we decided we would do it, she said, because I've been fascinated. I've had this thing with the bunyip all the time, that I would like to see it become like it is. On the side of the highway coming into Mulgildi, 
stands a tall statue of the famed Bunyip. He looks like a cross between a crocodile and a small dinosaur. Farrell explained, We began with a bit of design, and nobody knew what a Bunyip looked like, so we made something up. The Bunyip statue, which holds a cow's skull in one arm and a lungfish in the other, is made of 6mm plate mild steel and took 18 months to construct. I watched a lot of documentaries while researching the Bunyip, and it is intriguing how Australians have so many different versions of what they think the Bunyip is like. One man had an alleged encounter when he was six years old, where he said that the Bunyip saved him from drowning. So some people think that sometimes its human nature gives it a spirit of goodness. Another distinct difference in these stories is that in the legend of the Bunyip was one man who was cast out and cursed. But Bunyip believers think there are many Bunyips all over Australia. I couldn't find any Bunyip movies with a scary Bunyip storyline. I didn't find any Bunyip video games. But I can give you what came to mind after learning about the Bunyip. There was a movie that came out in 1997 called The Relic. Not the new psychological thriller from 2020. This one has a monster in it. Much like the creature in the movie, I imagine the Bunyip to be a large reptilian monster with tusks who can swim like a fish but run like a charging rhinoceros. I have always wanted to experience something supernatural, see Bigfoot, or maybe just a nice friendly ghost. But as Shibby is about to find out in the second half of this story, be careful what you wish for. Shibby had wanted an adventure badly. But here he was in the middle of a strange country, in the wilderness, watching and waiting for something to rise up out of the water, strong enough and large enough to crush a cow. He wasn't about to wake Mr. Johnston because how stupid and childish would he look when it turned out to just be a snake. His skin continued to crawl, and his heart began to race as he started to remember the story from the last night of training. What was it called again? The creature that ate women and children and, let's don't forget, foreigners. Was it a bunyip? No one mentioned how to fight it. Or had anyone ever even survived an encounter? He had no idea. He just knew that he was quickly beginning to panic. And something was making its way through the water towards him. Something big. Suddenly... The ripples began to slow as something began to rise up out of the water. It was too dark to make out much more than its size, but it was as large as his horse and had glowing orange eyes. It stared right at him, with its intention to do the same thing to him it had done to that cow radiating from its eyes. As it paused its advance, it stretched its neck and head towards Shibby and opened its mouth letting out a roaring horn of a sound that knocked him off his feet. He was stunned. He couldn't think. He didn't know how to react. Finally, he started crawling backwards like a giant crab trying to put some distance between himself and this monster. He wasn't fast enough. He needed to be on his feet. He needed to run like hell, but just as he stood and began to make his first step, he felt something wrap around his ankle and yank him back to the ground. He couldn't breathe, 
and he was choking on a mouthful of sand. He was trying to scream but couldn't quit coughing. This thing had him in a grip that would not budge and slowly started pulling him back towards the water's edge. You know how they say that right before you die, you see your life pass before your eyes? Well, Shibby was remembering how selfish he had been, wanting to forego a year of work to travel and live out his adventure. Oh, he was full of regrets while at the same time hoping that this was a nightmare and that he would wake up any second. Never had he imagined that hearing the sound of a gunshot ringing in his ears could be a thing so beautiful. He was still on his belly when the monster released its death grip and disappeared with a blink and splash back into the water. Shibby scrambled back up the hill as fast as he could to where Mr. Johnson was standing with a rifle in his hands. Shaken to his core, Shibby climbed back on his horse after Mr. Johnson had saddled it for him. He half expected to fall off because he felt so weak after coming down from an adrenaline overload. On the way back, he asked Mr. Johnston how he would get rid of the beast before it butchered more cattle. That is when he told Shibby the full story of the bunyip, a creature that was cursed and could not die. He said losing a cow now and then was a small price to pay if it would keep his family and ranch hands safe. Believe it or not, Shibby didn't go home after that. He stayed the full six months. He never returned to the watering hole after dark, and never alone. When he had finally saved enough money, he traveled for the last six months of the year. But he visited the cities and places where people were abundant, and wildlife was scarce. After he told me this story, Shibby said that Australia is a hard but beautiful country, with lots of intriguing people and places. He said, but... If you ever visit, stay away from the water at night. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as the Darkness Prevails Podcast, which has nearly 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails Podcast is the show for you. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to me at carmencarrion at gmail.com. C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next time as Freaky Folklore explores the murderous Slavic spirit the Vodyanoi. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.